The last lecture, yes. The last talk. <sighs> so, the last talk ever tonight. I really liked the question about, you know, if you're trying to change something in your life, if you want to move forward, how does meditation play a role in that? How does shining the light of awareness on a situation help slash affect the outcomes and the process actually even more so? You're welcome. I have a way with words and thoughts. And also, you said something that I found quite interesting, which was when you're approaching a new situation, or as you called it, the void, and shining that flashlight onto the void. Yeah, just what that's about and how that works or helps or benefits or what's the point. Yeah. And it's actually funny. I, I listened to a Facebook. Um, there was a video on Facebook, and I didn't really do my due diligence in researching it. But it was a man at a graduation speech. You know, it seems like he was a famous philosopher, and he's in England. And he was saying, you know, it's a lot of you have dreams. And in America, we're always talking about follow your dreams and your dreams. And he's like, so yeah, if there's something you've always wanted to do, then pursue it fully. And especially if it can take you to when you're in old age. Because then by the time you've achieved that dream and you realize the meaninglessness of life and you only have a short amount of time to sit in that void before you die. You know, so he's like, so it's good to just fill your time as much as possible with your dream because then once it's over, you just realize that nothing matters. But you only have to feel that for a little while, so that's good. You know, and this was kind of like dark humor, but so true <laughs> at the same time. And, and then he went on to say, you know, but what actually is the way that he likes to live his life is to focus on short-term goals and to really pour himself fully into whatever he's doing at any moment because then also it allows you to see things out of your periphery and these little glinting things that are right here in your world that you might miss if you're too focused on a long-term goal, that you might miss actually all these beautiful opportunities that are right here next to you that you just haven't noticed on because you're looking off into the distance, right? But what I really felt into when he said that was um, something that I personally felt quite often during my time at the monastery and there is that void, that void of the unknown, which also on a really fundamental level is like, what is this life? What are we doing here? Um, what is this mind? What is this body? Who am I? Where am I coming from? Where am I going? Yeah, just that very basic present moment, voidness of this the present moment, it also is very much just this weird empty void of space and awareness. And we attach stories to things. We attach identity 
Uh, I am Seth. I come from Andover. I was a monk. This is a class. I'm now creating a mental context of why I'm here and what I should be doing in this moment. To, to fill this all with meaning and context to know how to act and how to respond and what to do and how to lead the situation towards a, an, an envisioned projection future that we will leave this room all smiling because I've talked and led this all in a certain way, right? So this is very much um, a, a filled void, so to say, that we fill that void. But when you start peeling that stuff back, especially right when you're on long-term retreat, you know, I would do my practice every day, but there was times where I would just sit there and I'd just be chanting mantras, or I would be doing these prostrations, these full-length bows. And I would just feel just the absolute absurdity and meaninglessness of anything in this life. Just how all of it, it's just forms and actions. And we're all actually heading to the same place in some way. We're all just going to age slowly and then die eventually. And whatever you want to build up within that is great, but it's like a dream. You're eventually going to wake up. All, whatever you create, whoever you create yourself to be, you could fill yourself with this knowledge, with this charisma, you could be famous and rich, you could have a great family, you could be a great parent or a partner or have a great job or position or make all this money. But at the end of the day, it all whoosh, just gets washed away. It's like when I was a kid making the sandcastles on the shore of the ocean. Eventually the tide just comes in and and I try to fight it and I dig moats really frantically and I try to build taller towers to the sand. But eventually the tide would always come in and just clear everything away. No matter what I did, it will all eventually be cleared up by the tide. So there's a void that's existing in this present moment. And it's also, interestingly enough, a void that I always feel resonates with eternity. It's this really interesting thing that when you're really deep in the present moment, you also feel like you're connected to this endlessness, this endless space. Maybe sometimes you guys have noticed that in meditation, that you'll be sitting and you'll be breathing and you'll suddenly just click into this place where it's just really spacious and open and almost like it's timeless. There's like a weird timeless quality. Every time I'm in this room and we do this class, actually, by the time I leave, I'm always kind of, my head's like, whoa, like, where have I been? You know, it kind of puts you in almost like this other dimension. You're kind of in this weird, timeless space of presence and openness. And if we didn't have clocks, you really wouldn't know if we've been here for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. It just kind of all blends and bleeds together. So this is one kind of void that kind of exists in the present moment at all times. Then there's the void that we can talk about in terms of the future. Something that is unknown, right? So we can see what's here in front of us. I can see my bowl. I can see my phone here recording and my keys and my cushion and this body sitting here. I can look up and I see all of you sitting in this room. I can see all these things because they're in my vision. They're, they're within my visible capacity. What I can't see is what's happening outside of this room, down the street, what's happening back at my house in Andover, yeah? Or what's happening right now in Sri Lanka or Australia or in, or in Jupiter, yeah? 
or outside of our universe or solar system. I don't know. So within this very present moment, anything that's not within my sense sphere is, is considered part of that void, actually. If you really wanted to get into it, I could actually look at each one of you, and each one of you is a void unto yourself. Because I can look at you, and I have no idea what's going on inside of you. I don't actually know who you are. I don't know what you're thinking or feeling, where you've been, where you're coming from, what your intentions are. So even if you encounter another person and you really look at them deeply, they're just as amazing and mysterious as the universe. It's just a whole undiscovered place. Right? So anything that we don't know, anything that we don't know becomes part of this unknown. If you don't know it, it's not known. It's unknown. Um, the way that I kind of see life and that I approach life, it's some people describe it kind of like a wave. You know, you're riding a wave, and just as the wave curls, you just kind of correct yourself as it goes, and, it kind of, and you kind of navigate in process, and you can kind of see the arch of it, you see where it's going, that's why people can surf, is because you kind of see what it's doing, and you do your best to kind of follow it and stay on it. Um, and I like parts of that, the kind of course correction and the moving, and you kind of see it as you go. I often talk about my life as gardening, because I like to say that gardening has kind of some more or less these basic principles. Yeah, that I know that if you take a seed and you plant it, yeah, and you put it in good soil and you give it water and sun and there's the right temperature, it'll start to grow. And that's not guaranteed, right? There's some bad seeds or just things, whatever could happen. I don't know. A, a mouse could come and eat it really quick. So there's things that could happen, but for all intents and purposes, right? You can plant a seed and you feed it the right conditions, right? So the good soil, water, sunlight, temperature, and it'll grow. You don't necessarily know exactly how it's gonna grow. You know that it's a tomato seed, so you're growing a tomato plant. So you kind of know what you're getting and you know that you wanna eat tomatoes, so you of course are growing a tomato plant and taking care of it, but exactly how it looks, the shape of it, how many tomatoes it produces, that's kind of out of your control a little bit. So knowing what in that process you can control and what in the process you can't control. And the way that I do my life is that I kind of say, well, listen, I don't ultimately know what's going to happen. Let's say, for instance, in career, right? Say career. Yeah, so the life of a traveling meditation teacher, okay? Not very lucrative. Not much stability, okay? Yeah. It's a big hustle going out there trying to find gigs and six-week meditation sessions and talking to yoga studios and, and then maybe you finally set something down and then eventually it's time to happen and then nobody actually comes and you're like, oh, okay, I just wasted like all that time and energy. And, you know, it's a lot of work for not much reward, financially speaking. Um, and so I'm very much always in this process of, you know, how do I course correct? How do I not have to give so much energy? to create these things. And, and I've kind of come a lot to the point of, you know, if I just keep moving forward with the wish to support people, to benefit people, to help out, right, that's like giving my seed the right kind of water, right? So if I have the right kind of intention, yeah, and I also know that I don't want to exhaust myself, I don't want to be running all over town looking for places to teach meditation. I also kind of want that process to be easier. I start to kind of know what I want, what I don't want. 
I start learning. I start learning about this work that I'm doing, how this work can look. Maybe I read something in a magazine about people that teach meditations and companies. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be a good way to do it. Or in a hospital, oh yeah, or in schools, oh okay. So you start getting little impulses of different ways. And you kind of start course correcting as you go. And you also kind of keep feeding it the right conditions, right? You keep being friendly to people. I'm recording these talks and I'm putting them online to keep putting it out there, putting it out there, putting it out there. Just knowing that eventually if I keep doing it, if I keep giving it, you know, properly, so to say, if I keep really giving from my heart, keep holding space for people, keep setting up all the conditions, eventually that big break, will, something will shift and it'll happen. And if it doesn't, then I can die saying, you know what, I gave my whole life giving my best, trying, and that's okay. I think one thing in that kind of process that's really important is trust. One thing that's really important in that process is non-judgment on yourself and on your feelings. Because if I'm doing something, when I started teaching meditation in Boston, I did it donation basis. And I remember one time I was in a yoga studio in South Boston and I led a class and there was maybe seven people and I really, it was like an hour, an hour and a half and I poured myself into the class and it took me like an hour to get down there also and I really, it was a powerful class and everyone was, wow, it was really, everyone's eyes were shining by the end of it, it was great and you know, then I was, um, and everyone left and there's the donation box outside and I kind of got up and I felt good and I put everything away and you know, I have my hour drive back up, you know, to go home and it was like winter and cold and rainy nighttime and I'd walk over to the donation box and I'd open it up kind of expectantly, right? And inside was a tangerine. And I got angry. And I was like, you know, I'm going to allow this anger. <laughs> and I'm going to look at this anger because that's how I feel. And it's kind of like, Seth, what's up? You know, are you really doing this to help people? What is your real motivation? Why would you be angry? Shouldn't, shouldn't, right? The big should. Shouldn't you be giving and not expecting back? And I looked at that and I said, you know what? I'm giving my time. I'm giving my energy. I paid for gas. I'm giving my night. And then ultimately, I have to pay rent. I have to eat. I have to survive too. And I really would like to thrive, not just survive. I'd actually really like to live a, an abundant, happy life with lots of things, you know? And I said, so that anger, it's actually a boundary that I need to set. And I need to let go of the concept of being, you know, a good spiritual guy who just gives for free and doesn't care. And I was like, that's not the reality of where I'm at right now. The reality of where I'm at is that I need to be financially reciprocated for the work that I do or I cannot do this work. Yeah, so if you want to help people, then you also need to be making money to keep helping people. So then I said, well, how much do you need to make to not feel angry? And then I kind of found a number that when I said it, then I felt like if I made this much, I wouldn't feel angry. And then I said, then that is the price that then you set on the meditation. Yeah, and that was my kind of way of navigating, for instance, that situation, right? I realized that this is what I wanted, this is what I didn't want, this is what I need, I just simply need. Fair enough, it's what I need. People pay a lot to go to a yoga class, why don't they pay for a meditation class? What's the difference? Right? So I found my need and, and then I set that down and then that was the next stepping stone for moving forward. So in the past two years, I built myself from being a 
penniless former Buddhist monk living at my parents' house to having money, living with a partner in a great place, you know, not being totally financially secure, but not being so worried about it. You know, and I've been watching this process slowly build itself. And strangely enough, today I actually was in Bank of America. I opened up an account with like Fidelity and like was talking to the guy about planning for the future and all of this. And, and it kind of was opening up a whole new section of life to me. Like, okay, you know, when I'm 59, I'm not going to have to worry about money because I'm going to have this nest egg that I've created or whatever. Because I'm tired of living with that weird uh, existential angst all the time of having that complete unknown in front of me. Right? So I felt the void, and I was like, well, why don't you put a light 39 years down the line, or whatever it is from here, 29 years down the line, yet putting a light down at the end of the tunnel that you know, well, at least when you get to that light, that marker, then you'll know that at least there's something there. Right? So that's one of the ways that I've been playing with it right now, navigating with how to do that. Um, one of the other important things to do is that you need to be really patient and really observant. So I would talk about wanting to start a new job, and you also mentioned like relationships, things like this, that for instance, right, if you're in a relationship, yeah, you're in the relationship and you look at it and you feel it. And you feel, is this what I want? Is this nourishing me? Am I happy? Am I always wanting something else? What is this about? Yeah, is this an us problem? Is there something about us or is it a me problem? You know, is it, is it that actually I'm always unhappy, so actually I need to work on myself because no matter who I'm with, I'm actually always wanting something else. No matter where I am, I'm always dreaming about being somewhere else. That's a me problem. That has nothing to do with the person you're with, that's just a me thing. Yeah, or is it actually there's something about this person, for instance, that you come to the point where you're like, I can't do that anymore. I can't be in this anymore. I have to end this. Same thing with a job. You're at a job and you eventually get to the point and you're like, I cannot be giving my energy, my emotional time, my responsibility to myself to a place that I cannot stand behind for whatever reason or that doesn't really feel fulfilling to me. The way that process works is by shining the light of awareness on the situation and you just sit with it and you feel it. Yeah, you feel it and you look and you kind of, it's called like mulling it over in your mind, right? So you're kind of sitting with it and you just kind of slowly give yourself time just to process the situation. And slowly it's like sifting in sand and pulling out little bits of things. You kind of just sit and you sift through the situation and then you start to be able to find like what are, what are kind of the, the parts of this? What are the little pieces? You start to tease out like what's the point? You know, what do I want? What don't I want? What's making me feel unfulfilled or unhappy? What do I want? What do I want to move towards? That you start slowly understanding the constituent kind of pieces of it. Um, and then you start to be able to organize it, right? So right, and again, in a relationship, right? If I'm unhappy and then I look, it's like, oh, actually, I'm always unhappy. Okay, that's something that I need to work on. And that has nothing to do with the relationship, has nothing to do with that. That's something for me. And then I look at it and it's like, well, actually I feel bored a lot. And it's like, okay, well then that's something to talk about with the partner, right? I feel bored a lot. Is there anything we can do about that? What's, you know, that you can start opening that box and taking out the pieces and say, which pieces belong to me? 
which pieces do I need to work on by myself regardless of who I'm with and which pieces belong to us and you try to communicate and work out the us bits and if they work then you keep moving forward if you get to uh, an impasse on any important issue that you're like, there's no movement here, then that's the time to consider, can I stay in a relationship that doesn't meet in this place or not? Yeah, can I, am I willing to go forward even though in this place there's not, uh, I'm not being fulfilled or something's not being met or not? Or do I have to say that's essential for me so I have to put this relationship down? Yeah, so a job is the same way, right? So if there's something and finally it's not working, you have to put it down. To not know where you want to move forward to, I think it's quite normal. Um, in the Stanford uh, commencement speech by Steve Jobs, he said that life only makes sense connecting the dots backwards, right? So what is that saying? So in retrospect, vision is, you know, I don't know what's perfect vision again? 2020. 2020, yeah. In retrospect, it's 2020. That looking back, you understand everything. But looking where we are and looking ahead, we're completely blind. It's like we're carrying a torch down a dark hallway. We can kind of see where we are. We have no idea what's in front of us. And we remember what's behind us. Yeah. So that's kind of how it is. But, um, but you can also kind of choose which path you're moving forward in. And for instance, right, I didn't come back from the Buddhist monastery and then say, I want to go work at a butcher shop killing cows, right? Because I know that killing is not something that I do, so that's not the place that I looked forward towards. You know, I said I have these things like meditation and helping people that I'm interested in, and I need to make money, so money has to be involved. And then I looked at what are the needs of the world, and then education, schools came out. People started asking me specifically to help in schools. So I just connected those things together and that's kind of what bridged that next step for me. So it's a lot about kind of just pulling through the different pieces of it, seeing what you want, what you don't want, and then really sitting and breathing and feeling that unsureness. Any new thing is scary. This is like normal. Any new thing that you do is scary. Any old thing that's ending is scary. Yeah, everybody wants freedom, but we're all afraid to let go of our security and our control. So it's like if I'm holding this bell in my hand and I say I want my hand to be free, to be free, you have to let go of the thing that you're holding on to to be free. And that's that interesting thing that the, what everyone's searching for is the thing that everyone's simultaneously terrified to do. Yeah, I don't know if like what, that's what the song Free Fallen is about, but I know that, you know, Jerry Maguire, when Tom Cruise quits his job and he's driving, he's singing Free Falling, right? It's like that feeling of exhilaration of, I've just left behind everything that I know. I have no idea what I'm going towards, but it feels right and it feels good, you know? And that's a beautiful feeling that, that it's important to remember. I think often we forget how good it feels to start new things, to, to be free-falling, right? To be totally in a free place, a free mindset, to have all these options on the table again, to be able to create the life that we want. To not think we need to know the answers right away, yeah? Sometimes we have to piece it together, try a little bit here, try a little bit there. Again, see what I want, what I don't want. Kind of network maneuver, our roots grow out. Um, 
I always use the example again using plants. I love na like natural examples. So right when a seed starts to grow, it sends out these like little hair-like fibers, and then it kind of sees where is there moisture, where is there nutrients. When it finds it, then it kind of starts sending the root out in that direction. Where that root starts to find nutrients, that's the direction the root grows. Then it kind of splits up into these hair, like again, hair-like kind of things and branches out. And then those kind of branches feel where is there the most moisture and nutrients. And wherever it finds, then that root is where it starts to grow and that becomes the main root. And that's kind of the way, again, that I personally live my life, and maybe everybody does in some way, is that you kind of feel it out, and wherever it feels like that's the place to go, you go into that direction. And if it's a dead end, again, like a root that's going down, 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 because it's like, oh, nutrients, nutrients, and then it hits a rock, and it's like, oh, there's no nutrients. And then it kind of, the branches up above start to also feel out, and they're like, okay, well then let's try going this way. Right, so it's kind of this process of adjustments, of feeling things out and adjusting and seeing kind of what makes sense as the next step. And we all want to know how the story ends. Yeah, we all want to know how the story ends. We all want to know what to do. We wish somebody could tell us what to do. Um, but I really believe that you always know what to do when it's time to do it. Yeah, when it's time to end that job, you know. When it's time to end a relationship, you know. When it's time to begin something, when an opportunity comes. Again, you never know what's gonna happen, but you just feel like it just is there in the right time and you're gonna make a decision to do it or not. And if you make the decision to do, to take the opportunity, that becomes the road you're on. If you decide not to, then you're gonna go on another road. And it's not like there's a right or a wrong, which we get caught up in also, success and failure. It's not so much like that. It's simply just a whole series of decisions that you're gonna make along the way. And each decision will inform the next palette of choices that you have to work with. Yeah, so this is just kind of the process of it all. It's interesting to me also that Johan asked about Praying, and if there's nothing or nobody to pray to, um, then what's up with prayer, almost, or how does that work? And I would say that some of the most um, perfect manifestations that I've received in my life came because I prayed for them. And even um, my girlfriend, Shannon, that I'm with right now, I remember that I was getting a massage from one of my good friends. And during the massage, she was playing like this music, and I don't know what it was, but something hit my heart, and I just started crying. And I was just sitting there, I started crying and crying. I was like, what is this feeling? I was just crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel alone. I feel lonely. And I was like, I really want to be with somebody. And, I'm like, and I also felt, and I'm ready to actually be with, to actually have a partner. And I remember I just looked up to the ceiling, and it wasn't like because God's above me or something. It was just kind of this, I don't even know why. It was just this natural thing. I just looked up to the ceiling and I just said, I really want somebody. I want to find somebody. And I just kind of was like this really intense moment. Everything, I felt almost like a tunnel vision and my, you know, everything kind of changed and was tingling. And, and then I, after the massage, went outside and picked up my phone and there was a message on my phone from Shannon saying, hey, do you want to go on a hike? who I just met like a couple days ago. And it was just one of those moments where 
I felt that when you really clearly ask for something, you get it. When you really clearly ask, when you really clearly, when you know that that's what you want, really know, it, it, it resonates out because we are the universe. This is the point. Like, we're not, it's not like there's God there and then the world and then us and then all of these disjointed parts and nothing's connected. It's like we are all connected, you know, um, and I'm not here to talk about religion, right? Because, you know, because even using the God, you know, if there is God, we then would also be God because if God is everything, then we would also have to be part of God, right? It's, it's like it's God's either everything or he's not everything, but like what's this? So it kind of comes down to this, everything is connected. No matter which way you want to look at it, I can build a very solid case and explain why it's still connected. No matter which, where you want to start from, I'll still drive it back to the point that it's all connected. But just coming from the very basic mundane, yeah, everything is connected. We are universe. It's not like, you know, the fact that there's a Seth and a bowl and a phone and a Johan and a clock, these are kind of designations and forms that we use for reference and experientially. But everything in the universe is made of universe stuff. There's nothing within the universe that's not universe. It's like the ocean. Every drop is part of the ocean. It's all in there together. So as you breathe in and out, you're taking in the air from this space. You're breathing it in. Then you're breathing out stuff that used to be part of your body into the air. And then when I'm breathing out, you're breathing in. So through the air, we're connected. As I'm speaking, my ideas are going into your head. Some of them are now becoming your ideas. So ideas, same way. We're connected through ideas, through words, the English language that we all use. We've all been taught this language, all of our thoughts, or German, whatever. Right? All of our thoughts are built on this language that was given to us. Yet we are an assemblage of different pieces. On the atomic level, things are bouncing off of us, going through us, coming in, coming out. The cells in the body change. We drink rainwater that then we pee out and becomes the oceans and gets absorbed out again. And it's all a big cycle. We eat the food. It becomes part of our body. We shit it out and it becomes the earth again that grows new things that we eat. Whichever way you want to look at it, we're all parts of a big cycle on so many dimensions and levels. We are all part of a huge crazy complex cycle that in this moment it looks like this guy named Seth and then it's going to become the earth again and then someone else is going to grow somewhere else and it's just moving and changing and that's it. Yeah, in Buddhism we talk about emptiness because there's no thing. It's all just this big process with many layers coming together and breaking apart and shifting and changing. So knowing that it's all just this one big process, we're all connected that in a way I am this carpet, I am the ceiling, I am the stars. Actually, quite literally, right, most of the mass of the Earth is made from like exploded supernovas and all the big elements that we have. So this is all stardust. We are all so connected, so really deeply, inherently, intrinsically connected, that how could we think that our prayers and wishes are not connected? Yeah. It's all connected. Everything that we think has an effect on our field, everything we feel. It's all connected. But there's something to it when you have a real wish. When everything in you comes together, almost like by itself. 
which is different, I feel, than me wishing to win the lottery, which I do all the time, right? I, I buy a scratch ticket, and I'm like, ah, this is the one. You know, but there's something really deep in my heart that's like, eh, maybe, you know, but I don't really know if, you know, is winning actually what I, is that the best thing for the universe, that I win this or not? I don't know. But every now and then, there'll be something that resonates into your heart, and you'll just know this is right. That you'll just feel it. You will know this is right. This is right. This is 100% right. And when you really send your energy into that, it, it opens up and it blossoms and your whole life kind of starts resonating with that vibe. Yeah, and I don't necessarily know the principles and the mechanics behind that. Science is not even close to that. Yeah, they've talked a little bit about how intention affects material. Yeah, a little bit there's been studies that our intention can actually affect material. But light years away from getting into that level stuff. But this is really from my own experience that I can say, like, this is, this is how it is. Yeah, and again, if you wanted to bring God into it, like Shannon says, her understanding of God is just the collection of everything. Everything, if you take everything, everything all together, the sum of all that stuff, that's what she calls God. You could also call that nature. Yeah, these are all just words we're putting on it. Nature has an intelligence. It's alive. It's growing. It's thriving. It's trying to survive. Yeah, that there's, there's an inherent intelligence that exists in living things collectively. So this idea of really holding space, feeling things out, making decisions when it feels like a decision needs to be made, even if you're not at the place where you're able to make a decision um, in a way that feels maybe like safe for you or secure for you, you'll still get to a place where you have to make that decision now. You know? You will get to a place where you have to make that decision and life will bring you to that place. Humans are really bad often at changing their ways, but Oftentimes, life brings human beings to the place where they have to change. People get sick. There's natural disasters. There's financial things. Sometimes, um, say people are afraid. I'm afraid to leave a relationship. But then I'll just get so unhappy in that relationship that my unhappiness gets stronger than that fear. You know, and then path of least resistance, right? Then, then you'll be able to make that change. So sometimes, in our careers, We'll have to be so unhappy until finally we say, you know what? The fear of not having a job is not as bad as coming one more day into this place. You know? And that's kind of also a part of it. It's also really knowing those underlying forces. And sometimes if you're not able to, to make that jump, to make that leap, don't be hard on yourself. Yeah, understand, forgive yourself. Look for support, talk to friends. I often find speaking things out is huge. Yeah, if I want to change careers, but I'm afraid to, start just talking it out. Tell people. I'm looking for a new job, but I'm afraid. I want this. And people will start, just the energy of speaking things out already starts putting that intention out there into the world that it starts to create that shift just by talking about it. It's pretty interesting. Often just by talking about things with people, it'll already start to change the situation. And they'll be like, oh, why don't you come work here? Oh, I had that. Here's what I did. You'll start getting little pieces. Yeah, you start piecing it together. So, putting all of that together, I guess I will leave you with maybe then just one last point about everything. 
which um, when I was, a, again, when I was in the monastery, we had a, um, a Christian monk come and he stayed with us. His name is Brother David Steindl Rast and he's from Austria. So, and he's a Benedictine monk. Very famous, you know him? No. You ever heard of him? Uh, he's famous, very famous. And he is, you know, both a biblical scholar and loves words and their meanings and where they come from and all this. And he said, you know, in the Bible, he said, every time an angel comes down, it says, fear not, and then it gives its message. It says, fear not, and then it delivers the message. And Brother David said, the angel is not saying fear not because the people are looking up and seeing this giant winged angel coming down and they're terrified of this, like, oh my God, what is that? And it's like, oh, don't be afraid, I'm just an angel. You know, that's not why he's saying The angels say fear not because that's the most important thing for human beings to know. And that's why it's always the first thing that these angels, these messengers of the divine, are giving. The very first connection that they make to the humans is they say, fear not. Because there is nothing to fear. At the end of the day, it is all fine. It will all figure itself out. You will always figure it out. If you end up suffering or feeling pain, then it'll just be that much. Then that will happen. That's a part of life. Fear not. You're going to get a lot of great things in life. Yeah? And then maybe you'll try to protect them. Think you're losing. Fear not. Then one day we all will get sick. We get older and older. And then we eventually die. Fear not. Your fear, your worry, your stress, your anxiety, they bring nothing to the table. They just make you miserable. You never have to fear. Fear is not helpful. It hurts you. So better than fear is trust. Trust and be patient and be open and feed the goodness. Give as much good into the world as you can. And even if you never see a single drop of that goodness back, at least you know that you've gardened well, that you've given as much light and love and water to your garden as possible. And if none of the seeds grow, then it's like, okay, at least I know that I've done my job the best that I could. And that's all that anybody can ever do. We have no idea. We have nobody has any idea what they're doing, nobody. The people outside of this room, the people that don't think they need meditation, yeah, the people that are very happy with their homes and their jobs and their spouses and everything, they have no idea what they're doing. Nobody knows what this life is. Nobody. We have our religious beliefs, our philosophical beliefs, our scientific beliefs. Nobody knows what this is. We are all just doing the best we can. So with that, I would like us to embark on a 30-minute meditation journey together. As the last meditation of this series, 
We're going to really go for it. And just make sure you're comfortable. If you need chairs, if you need to stand up and shake out and stretch out, that's fine. And really give yourself the opportunity to just be here to be fully present in this life, in this moment, and to receive whatever comes.